discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. What a blessing. So I've been sharing with you on um, a very important subject, isn't it? Who remembers? How many of you remember what I've been sharing with you? What's the subject? How to live the new life in Christ, isn't it? How do you live the new life in Christ? Live the new life in Christ by first of all knowing that knowing your position, your place, your identity in him. You see, and that's what I've been trying to talk about in the last few weeks. Okay? What do you see when you look at yourself? So important. The whole Christian work is about this. And there are millions of Christians who don't understand what I'm saying now. Don't know it. And don't, don't understand it. And some are not even ready to hear it. But to deliver you, to change, a lot, to change a lot of things about you. If you give a certain attention to it, your, your deliverance as a child of God is based on what you know, based on what you understand. Through knowledge shall the just be delivered. Knowledge of God's word will change your life forever. Up to date, there are Christians who are praying that God will do something for them. Up to date, there are Christians who are praying that the Lord will move on their behalf. The Lord moved on your behalf a long time ago. He moved on your behalf in Christ. On the cross, he did all that he needed to do for you. And said it is finished. And he meant it. Now your job is to find out what he has done. You see? And identify what he has done. That's, that's basically what Christianity is all about. Finding out what has been done for you. Not what is going to be done for you. But what has been done for you. And agreeing with, with it. Agreeing with what has been done for you. Or else your prayer life will be, your prayer will be different. You'll be praying from the place of, God, do this for me. God, do that for me. Pass me not, pass me not, oh gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. He heard your humble cry. You didn't, you didn't have even have wisdom to cry. Do you understand? You didn't even have wisdom. We didn't have wisdom to even cry out to him. No. He moved on our behalf. He died for you when you were not looking for him. That's how much he loves you. That's how much God loves you. Hmm? But God commended his love. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners and not looking for him, Christ died. He died for you, died for your sins even before you started looking for him. This is the foundation of our love for him. 1 John chapter, chapter 4 Verse 19. Look at 1 John 4, 19. We love him 
because he first loved us. We didn't have enough wisdom to love him or to look for him. But he came looking for you. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves you. He came looking for you. And he did everything he needed to do to secure you. He wiped away your sin. Put it away completely. Washed you from from your sins in his own blood. And made you his righteousness. He made you perfect. Made you glorious. Put his power inside you. Gave you all that you require for life and godliness. He gave everything to you. That's, that's the truth. That's the gospel truth. All that is in your spirit. We have the same mind as Christ has. We are one with him. We are identified with him. We are one with him. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says that whosoever is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Isn't it? First Corinthians 6, 17. Is that not what I said? First Corinthians 6, 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So you are one spirit with him. Can you imagine? That as you are sitting here in the spirit, you are one with Christ. You are as beautiful as Christ is. You are as patient as Christ is. You are as loving as Christ is. You are as glorious as Christ is. You are as humble as Christ is. You are as powerful as Christ is. You have a sound mind like Christ does. Because you are one with him. So in the spirit, you are so beautiful. You are the best in the spirit. Yes. You are seated together with him in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power. There's no demon heart out of hell that can touch you. Why? Because you are seated, because of where you are seated. Where he's seated is where you are seated. That's the truth of the gospel. In the spirit, you can never be depressed. Your spirit man has a sound mind. Your spirit man actually has the mind of Christ. He has the same mind as Christ has. For who has done the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And he says, but we have the mind of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. And because you have the mind of Christ, he says, you know all things. First John chapter 2, verse 20. For, but you have an unction from the Holy One. And you know all things. You know all things. You know all things. He's talking about your spirit. Of course, you know, you know in your mind that you don't know all things. You don't even remember two days ago. So he, he, these are not scripts. These are not in reference to your, 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 your mind, your physical mind. He's talking about something deeper, something more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the more you look at what God has done, the more it becomes your reality. The way to live this, the way to have this happening in your physical life, in your day-to-day life, to know all things practically, to know what to do all the time practically, never, ever in, a, in doubt of what to do. You just know what to do. You just know what to do. And when you do it, it works. You see, you just know what to do. You are doing a research, you are stuck, the Lord will show you what to do. Yes. You are doing your business, you are stuck, you don't know what to do, the Lord will show you what to do. That, that's, that's where speaking in tongues come in. 
knowing what to do, you know, the way to tap into what to do is to speak in tongues. Yes. When you learn to speak in tongues, not only in church, but on a, on a daily basis, practically, and learn to speak in tongues when you are stuck. You're in exam hall, you know you've read the thing, you can't remember. When I forget, I know what to do. When I'm talking about something, I don't, I don't remember. I know what to do. What should I, I, I know I have to speak in tongues. Also, give me, give me a few minutes. I just speak in tongues. My spirit man will just bring it up. Completely. That, that's how I function. And that's how God wants you to function. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, Paul, the apostle, wrote something very nice. He says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Okay, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So there's a, there's a wisdom that is hidden before the world began for your glory, for your beauty, for your glorious experience, for your well being, for your success, for your, for your honor, for your blessings. It's there. God has hidden it for you. Now, how do you get all the things that are hidden for you to show forth practically in your life? Look at the next verse. Which none of the prince of this world knew? For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, the things that are hidden concerning you, the wisdom of God that is hidden concerning you, if the princes of this world had known, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus Christ. If they had known the wisdom of God uh, in reality, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. If they knew that crucifying Jesus meant your salvation, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. Yeah, they would have kept him alive to date. If they knew that his blood being shed was going to be our blessing and our born again experience, they wouldn't have killed him. They were reading the scriptures, but they didn't have the wisdom of the scriptures. The devil knows the Bible, but he doesn't know the wisdom that is hidden in the Bible, what God is doing. He doesn't really know. He doesn't know the timing of the Lord. He doesn't really know those things. And the same thing is also, there are things that are in the Bible that are hidden concerning you. Your glory is hidden in the Bible concerning you. Your beauty is hidden in the Bible concerning you. Your, your health is hidden in the Bible concerning you. Yes. Now, he says, now the prince of this world knew, verse 9, then he says, but as it is written, I have not seen, neither has ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Then he says, but he has revealed those things that are hidden. He has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. The things that are hidden are revealed. They are not hidden forever. They are revealed. How are they revealed? They are revealed by the Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost. Now, how do you get the Holy Ghost to reveal the things that are hidden concerning your life for you to know what to do? All the time. I'm trying to help you find the junction between you know all things in the spirit and you don't know nothing in the flesh. You are dummy in the flesh. You don't know what's going to happen in the flesh. You don't know what's going to happen in your mind. How do you bridge that gap? By the spirit. By praying in tongues. Why? Because praying in tongues is your means of relating with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14 says that if I pray in a known tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. The Amplified says it in a very nice way. The Amplified says that for if I pray in a known tongue, my spirit 
by the Holy Spirit within me prays. So the way to get the Holy Spirit within me to work with my spirit or to reveal things to my spirit or to reveal, not to reveal things to my spirit because my spirit man knows everything, if you remember. If you go back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where we're reading, look at 1 Corinthians 2, we just got to verse, um, verse 10, right? But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man except the spirit of that man which is in him? So it says your spirit man knows everything concerning you. Your spirit man knows the money you are going to get in your life. Your spirit man knows how much who you are going to get married to. Your spirit man knows how many children you are going to have. Your spirit man knows which university you are going to attend. Your spirit man knows which country you are going to live in. Your spirit man knows everything concerning you. Your spirit man knows all things concerning your life. So how do you get to know those things practically in your mind so that you know what to do practically, physically? Praying in tongues. Because as I pray in unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, that's what? Praise. So my, the, the, my spirit brings the things to my mind. It says when I pray in unknown tongue, my spirit, my mind is unfruitful. But in the spirit, I'm speaking mysteries. I'm, sp- I'm speaking the things that are hidden concerning my life. You see, as I speak in tongues, it comes to my mind. Interp- God gives interpretations. There are interpretations that come. King James again, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. So if I pray in unknown tongue, my spirit prayer, but my understanding is unfruitful. Verse 15. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. I'll start off by praying with the Spirit. And then I'll continue with, to pray with my understanding, with the understanding also. I'll sing with the Spirit and I'll sing with the understanding also. Verse, verse 16. Go to, go to verse 13. We missed something. Go to verse 13. He says, Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. When you speak in tongues, there's interpretation that is ministered to you. Tongue speaking is not just blabbing something. No. Interpretation comes. I can be speaking in tongues and the Lord will give me a verse. A verse will just pop up in my spirit. Or a verse will rather pop up in my mind. When I say my spirit, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, to pop up in my mind. I'm just speaking in tongues. Now, the language of the Spirit is scriptures. The Word of God is the language of the Spirit. If God is going to speak, He's going to speak to you through His Word. Do you see? Yeah. So you see that a scripture, a verse will pop up. Or a statement. Sometimes you don't even know it in your, in your mind. But a statement will just pop up in your mind. Goodness. Goodness. You see that you're praying in tongues. Man, no, and in your mind, goodness is what is coming. Goodness. 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 Now, what is goodness? If you, if you knew the Bible, you will hear more. Goodness and message shall follow you all the days of your life. And it will, it will bless you. Maybe you'll be go- you are going through something and you don't know what to As you're praying, man, goodness. 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 Goodness and message shall follow me all the days of my life. I just know what to do. Tell them I know what to do. Even if you don't know what to do, tell them I know what to do. By the Spirit. If you pray in tongues a lot, you will know you will have timings. I tell you, you will know what time is going to happen. You will know what time that is going to happen. You know, some people ask me, "How do you know this is going to happen?" I just know it. Today, when we, when we packed, when we came into the compound, one of the pastors who was with me said that I remember when we came here in 2019 and there was just one car here. 
and you are saying that very soon there will be a lot of cars parked there. And it's happening. How do I know a lot of cars will be parking? I just know. The more I pray in tongues, the more I know. I know what to do. I just know what to do. Because I, I, I try to speak in tongues a lot. Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you. The more you pray in tongues, the more what to do comes is ministered to you. Yes. There will, be, there will not be any confusion concerning your life. I confuse. I have five boys. I don't know which one to choose. No, you know, you will not have that. You know which ones are last and you know which one is really the one that is for you. Yeah. Should I travel abroad? Should I stay here? People ask, should I travel abroad? Should I stay here? You, you are supposed to know. You are, it's not an external person who is supposed to tell you. You are supposed to know. Your spirit man knows all things concerning you. All things. All things. How many children should I have? Should I have seven or eight? Seven or eight, seven or eight, seven or eight. <laughs> your spirit man knows all things. <laughs> he knows everything concerning your life. See, I'll never fail in my life. The whole Christian work is to, you know, allow what is inside to come out. Allow what is inside to come out. And it starts off by knowing what is inside. You see, know what is inside. You have to know it. You have to know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's a greater one living inside you. You have to know that you can never be defeated in life. I can never be defeated. Why can't you never why can you never be defeated in life? Because a greater one lives inside you. He says, Greater is he that is in you. First John 4 4. He says, You you are of God, little children. You are of God. You originate from God. You you come from God. You originate from God. You don't originate from your mother or your father. That's the physical side. He's telling you what where you really come from. He says, You are of God. You originate from God. Your origins are in God. Hmm? Have you read James 1:18 before? Of his own will. Let, let's look at it. James 1.18. Of God's own will begat he us with the word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Of his own will. Of God's own will he gave birth to us. These are verses in the Bible. Don't say, my, I'm, I'm, you see me, I'm from Asankrewa. I'm from, I'm from North, North Dakota. That's what I know. No, your life is beyond North Dakota or beyond Asankregua. <laughs> so you, you use where you come from as your means of uh, identification. Because I come from North Dakota, it means that I'm, gonna, I'm a success. Because I come from Asankregua, it means that there's nothing that is going to happen in my life. My family is a, it's not a, I'm not from a rich family. I'm not from a rich home. What, what are you looking at? Ask your neighbor, what are you looking at? You are looking at the outside. You are looking at the outward and defining your life by the outward. Your life is more than the outward. It's more than what you see outside. It's more than that. Are you a child of God? If you're a child of God, he says you are of God. You hail from God. You're a child of God, brother. You're a child of God, sister. And that means something. It means something. It means something. I've never seen a cat giving birth to a mouse before. I've never seen that. I don't know if you've seen some. Never seen some. If God gives birth, what do you think God will give birth to? Give birth to little gods. 
to babies, baby God. Isn't it? That's what you have become. It's difficult to believe. Even when you read it, it's like it's not true. It's because all your life you've been told something else. You know, you are from a humble home. You have to humble yourself. You have to... <laughs> you know, we are from a poor home. You know, you shouldn't be... You shouldn't, be, you shouldn't, you shouldn't expect some things to come out of your life. Don't eat too much. We don't have much, to, much food in the house. So don't eat too much. Eat, eat and reserve some for three days from today. You must always have some leftover. That's all you've known. God seeks to change your mind. Honestly, that's what God seeks to do. That's what God seeks to do. God seeks to change your mindset. To super abundance. In Christ. Yes. With humility, not with pride. Our God is a humble God. Not with pride. All over the place with your shoulders. Agama. Agama. Agama what? Agama what? I got my Rolls Royce. I got my jet. I got my Gulfstream. I got my. You become a Gamma Lizard very soon. I'll never be poor in my life. I'll never be broke in my life. I'll never be sick in my life. Why? I'm a child of God. Jesus purchased healing for me. Yes. I'll never go down in my life. I'll never go down in my life. That's how you live the new life. See what God has said. Say what God has said. See it. Say it. See what he has said in his word. That's what it means. To, when, we say, when we say we are walking, when we say someone is walking in the spirit, what it means is that the person is walking in the word. The person is agreeing with what the word of God has said. You see? He's walking in the spirit and he shall not fulfill the last of the flesh. Who, who are you really? But how do you see yourself? A lot of people's confidence have been eroded because they look at their, themselves outward, outwardly. You look at the school you went to. You didn't go to the best of schools. You look at your grades, the grades you got in school. You look at, you look at the experiences you have had over the years. You know, nothing good happens to me. I know my life. Nothing good happens to me. My uncle raped me. My cousins also continued. Is the devil? The devil is trying to give you a reason why you should fail. The devil tries to put experiences around us, you know, to question God and to question, you know, what God has made or what God has done. Don't look. Don't look at those things. Don't look at those things. Yes, it happened, but you can't. You can't cry over spilled milk. You know that, right? Don't look at those things. Look at what God has done for you. Look at what God has done for you. Look at the fact that God, God says you are accepted. God says that you are accepted. You see, God has qualified you. Yes. God has qualified you for his blessings. There is nothing you have to do to inherit his blessings. God has given us eternal redemption in Christ. 
He calls you his beloved. Ephesians chapter 1. You are the beloved of God. No matter your experience, you are still the beloved of God. No matter what happened, you are still the beloved of God. You are still accepted before the Lord. No matter the abortions you have done, you are still his beloved. No matter how many people, how many, how many things you have stolen, you are still his beloved. If you will start looking at him and stop looking at what you have done, you see, the problem is you are looking at the, you are looking at the things you have done too much. And you are allowing those things to define who you really are. And because you are looking at those things, that is what is showing up in your life. What you keep looking at is what you become. You keep looking at the fact that you have, have died, did a lot of abortions, have scammed a lot of people, have gone, have gone to, uh, to the fetish priest, have done this, have done that. That's what you keep looking at. And because you keep looking at that, you can't stop. What you keep looking at is what you become. Yeah. We are separated in the beloved. The more you look at that, and the more you 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 say that same thing, the the more your physical experiences change. The way to get your physical experience to change, to stop going to a fetish priest. Eh? The way to stop going to a fetish priest. You are a child of God, but you keep going to fetish priest for help. You see, for help, I need power. I need power for my business to work. Then this guy will be jumping. <laughs> And then you are there. Yes, Papa. Yes, Papa. Yes, Papa. <laughs> You've been reduced completely. I tell you. All the power that was used to raise Christ Jesus from the dead. That Baba Lao, he has not risen from the dead, though. And has not stayed alive for 2,000 years. The power that was used to raise Christ from the dead. That same power, that same resurrection power, is actually inside you. You have left that power and you are now looking for power outside. You are the most dangerous species on earth, the whole of the universe. Yes. Paul prays as you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power that is inside you. You see, I pray that you may know, Ephesians 1.19, I pray that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of God's power that is at work in you. Who believe? Do you believe? This is if you believe there's a power that is working in you. There's a miracle working power. There's a healing working power. There's power to change your world, power to change your environment. There's prosperity power. There's every power you can think about. The greatest power ever displayed by God is dwelling in you. Instead of going to look for power out there, Look at the power that God has put inside you. God is the one who has put it inside you. Always. You are of God, little children. You are of God, little children. And I will overcome them. Knowing your knowledge of the fact that you come from God causes you to overcome. That's what, that's what puts you over in life. You are of God, little children. And I will overcome them. So you repeat that to yourself. I'm of God. I will overcome them. There's no presentation that is too big that, bigger than me. There's no, there's no boss that is more intimidating. Like, is this, my, this is my boss is so intimidating. When I start, every time he's insulting me. No, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The greater one is inside me. Yes, and he's standing inside me. Standing inside. Yes. I will never fail in my life. I'll go through this presentation successfully. I'll go through this exam successfully. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I'll go through this phase of my marriage successfully. Yes. My children will be correct in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because a greater one lives inside me. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Anything in the world that would want to threaten your success cannot succeed if you remember what you are and who you are and who is inside you. 
I will never fail in my life. I keep going higher and higher. Better and better. My prosperity is not based on what is happening in this economy. Money is coming to me. Money is coming to me. You see, what you say is what you get. Understand the spiritual principles. Understand it. Don't go and look for a pastor, a certain prophet to pray for you. There's nothing that prophet can do for you. He can't do anything. (laughs) Your tears notwithstanding, it won't happen. God does not respond based on how much you cry. I told you. That prophet, he can't help you. He's going to take the money you have. The money you have is going to take it. Yeah. Haven't you noticed? He's going to take it. He's going to put you in more trouble. You don't need that. What you need is to sit with God's word. You think it is slow? All the best. Seeing what God has done. Repeating it for yourself. Agreeing with it. All God wants you to do is to agree with his word. I agree. And I accept this as my reality. Instead of what I'm seeing in my body, what my body is telling me, and what my mind is telling me. Because your, your body and your mind, they tell you things. Your body will tell you you are not pretty. Your body will tell you you are a very bad person. Has your body told you anything in recent time? Your body said you are not what? You are not spiritual. They are sleeping all the time. Your head is too big. Your mind will tell you you are not good enough. You are not good enough. Your, your mind will tell you, look at, how much, look at how much sin you have committed in your life. Look at how much sin you have committed in your life. Senior sinner. PhD in sin. <laughs> Professor Sin. <laughs> that is why Jesus came. Jesus came to die for your sins. <laughs> that is why Jesus came. So if you agree, if you if you allow your mind and you allow your body, they will they will cheat you out of the blessings of God. What did Jesus come for? For asking about what did Jesus come for? What exactly did Jesus come for? Can you tell me what Jesus came for? To die for what? Sin. Whose sin? My sin. Your sin. Yeah. Which one? The sin in the past. All. Oh. Yeah. Past. Yeah. Present. Yeah. Future. Do you believe it? Yeah. If you believe it, then you should not allow your mind to tell you things. When your mind is talking, you say, we agree with what God has said. I agree with what God has said. I agree with what God has said. Yeah. Hmm. Look at this. Galatians 1, verse 4. It's all over in the Bible. Go, go to verse 3 so I understand. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. This is plural. He's talking about all your actions of sins. All your sins. Past, present, future. All your sins. There's nothing you can do that will take you. There's nothing that you can do that will say, let God love you less. Wow. 
There's nothing. You can't motivate God. He says, this, you see, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. You need to remember this. You need to remember it. Not because you did something. We love him because he first loved us. Understanding that he first loved you is what will make you love him more. You, if you think that you need to do some things for him to love you, you have missed it. You go, you go on an endless journey, an endless ad- adventure of trying to do some things to earn God's love. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, whilst you were yet a sinner, if you are a sinner, you are the reason why he came. If you feel you are a sinner, you are the reason why he came. If you feel you are not correct, you are the reason why he came. Learning, accept his love. Accept the fact that Romans, look at Romans. That's the problem. The whole problem is you accepting what the guy says he loves you. And then you say, but I don't do this and I don't do that. I don't fast much. I don't pray much. I've not, I've not been holy enough. I've been fornicating. I've been doing this and I've been doing that. So I, I don't think that you, that you love me. When I finish the fornication, I start fasting and I start praying. Then, then I, can, I can encourage you to love me. Meanwhile, he's saying to you from his, he says that, Ross, before you even knew me, I loved you. From the gutters, I loved you. Hmm. Yeah, you have a lot of Christians doing a lot of things trying to please God. Okay. Trying to become worthy before God. Huh. When he says that you are worthy before me, he says, I like you. You are accepted before me. If you would take your eyes off the things, the doings, and start looking at him, you, you will love him more. Listen, the new creature is created in Christ, in holiness, in righteousness, and true holiness. That is how you are. Yeah. Look at Ephesians. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This is the nature of the new creation. Are you born again? This is your nature. Your nature is righteousness and true holiness. That's your nature. That's your nature. Righteousness and true holiness. True holiness. You are fooling around. Righteousness, true holiness. Pastor, but you don't know me. Pastor, you don't know? Pastor, hey, Pastor. Pastor, do you know who you are talking to? Do you know what I can do? Do you know my CV? Do you know my CV? Do you know the bad thoughts I've been thinking? I don't care. God says he doesn't care me too. I don't care. Who am I to care if God does not care? What does your bad thoughts and what does your sin do to you? Your, those things destroy. You see, no matter what you do, sin is sin. No matter what you do, sin is dangerous. Okay? Yes, Pastor. Tell me, but sin is dangerous. Sin is dangerous. Tell the other neighbor, sin is really dangerous. Sin is really dangerous. I've said it already, but let me say it again. When you do something wrong, okay, it doesn't affect your spirit. Because your spirit man is sealed. Yes. That doesn't affect your spirit. God sees in the spirit. When God looks at you, he's seeing your spirit. He's not seeing your flesh and all the foolish things that may be happening, may or may not be happening. Now, you may think, you see, some of you are here, you think that, oh, me, I'm not into, I'm not into stealing, I'm not into fornication, I'm not into lying, I'm not, but even the thoughts you are thinking right now, the thoughts you are thinking right now about me 
or about something or about someone. It's not correct. The sins you commit that are not in the Big Ten. You know the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments. The sins you commit that are not in the Big Ten, they are more than the Big Ten. So if you think that God accepts you based on your what you do or do not do, how well you, you live or do not live, eh, then you have made a very big mistake. I made a very, very big mistake. He doesn't accept you based on that. Your spirit man is sealed. Your spirit man got saved, got born again, received eternal redemption, received righteousness, was recreated in true holiness, and is sealed by the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Your spirit man is sealed. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit, in whom also after you trusted, in whom ye also trusted, after that you heard the word of the of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, in Christ also, after that you believed, he says, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So you are sealed. He's talking to your spirit. Your spirit man has been sealed. The real you has been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so nothing evil can enter your spirit. Your spirit man is sealed. There's no problem with your spirit man. Your spirit man is described as complete. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Then verse 10 says that. And you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. You are perfect in him. He describes you as what? Perfect. Hebrews 10, 9. Then said I, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. Verse, verse 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Jesus, is, Jesus was sacrificed once and for all. Okay? Once, not once and for everybody, but once and for all time. That's what he's talking about. Jesus was sacrificed for what? Once for all time. He's not going to, he's not sacrificed every time you do something wrong. In the Old Testament, when the people do something wrong, when they sin, they have to sacrifice something every day. So every day you come and sacrifice. If you thought something bad, you thought you look at your neighbor's wife in a certain way. Bring your sheep right now. Come and come and. So the priest was always standing throughout the day, sacrificing. You finish sacrificing. He couldn't sit. The priest could not sit. But Jesus made his sacrifice and sat down. Jesus is seated. He's seated. He's not standing to minister. He, what, what the sacrifice he did was once, and it was for all time. That's what he's saying here. Okay? Go back up. We'll come back to this. This is what I'm saying. This is this, this, this I'm saying. He says, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Then he says, by the which will, and every priest standard daily ministering and offering, offering time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. It can never take away sins. It doesn't take away, it couldn't take, it covered their sins for one year. It covered their sins for one year. So they do, they do the sacrifices on a daily basis. People are doing wrong every day. They come in and they sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Then once every year, there's a big sacrifice to take care of all the ones they did, they forgot. All the ones they didn't know about. That's the one that the high priest takes to the Holy of Holies and then sacrifices. And then when it's accepted, everybody's accepted for one year. So he's comparing the old to the new and what Jesus has done. He says that every priest standing, standing daily, ministering and, and offering up the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Next verse, verse 12. But this man, which man? He's talking about Jesus. But Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, not for sin, for sins, forever. You see, you're having difficulty believing it. 
Because you've been told for a long time that when you do something wrong, you, you are removed. God does not love you anymore. You are out of fellowship with the Lord. You are broken your fellowship. Yami waha. Yami wopie. Yami waha. Yami wobe biara. Oye bonia obe hu obete. Obe tro. Oye bonia orishra woda. God is here. God is at home. God is here. God is everywhere. If you sin, he will see. He will hear. He will write. If you sin, he will bless you die. he will never bless you ingrained in our minds ingrained in our hearts strongly we know he has forgiven you this is the true gospel what I'm preaching to you is called the true gospel when you hear the true gospel the next question you ask is Romans 6 1 there's a question you ask if you hear the true gospel. If you don't, if you don't ask this question, it means you have not heard the true, you have not heard the true gospel. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Hey! If that's a question that is coming to your mind right now, then it means that you are hearing the true gospel. Yeah. But the true gospel is that he has offered for your sins once and for all. For all. Forever. 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 Ah, so the question is, ah, so does it mean that freedom? Freedom. Freedom. Is that what it means? Freedom. What's the answer? Next verse. Hmm. He says, God forbid. That's the answer. The answer to that question is, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Yes. He says, you are dead to sin now. So you cannot live, you cannot, you can't continue to, you can't. You can't live in sin. Uh, Sin is not good. But as for your spirit, man is correct. First, first John chapter three verse nine. Look at first John three nine. First John three nine means um, it means what he says. Whosoever is born of God, I born of God, does not commit sin. Does not commit sin. Who is he referring to? He's referring to your spirit, man. He cannot. Sin. He says, for his seed remained to him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. If you are born of God, he says you cannot sin. What is he talking about? He's talking about your spirit, man. How about the wrong things that I do? Mm. The wrong things you do, like I said, do not, it does not. Jesus has offered for your sins forever. <laughs> Understand it to deliver you. Your taste for, you see, sin comes when we are afraid. Fear is the engine for sin. We are afraid of God. Adam said, I heard your voice and I hid myself because I was afraid. You see, and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Why are people running from God? They are running away from God because they are afraid. Afraid of what? Afraid that God is still holding their wrongs against them. That's, that's, the, that's the whole problem. When you understand that God is not holding anything against you, you approach him. Boldly. The prodigal son, eh? The prodigal son, that foolish boy, did not go back to his father because he knew his father will. He went back because he was hungry. That was all. How many hired servants are in my father's house who have enough food to eat? I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, I've done it. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father, Luke 15 17, have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I have to go, I'm hungry. He did not look for his father because he loved his father or because he felt his father was a good man. 
just around. He felt his father was a provider. I want to go. At least I can get something to eat. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. So he wasn't thinking of sonship at all. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He was coming back as a hired servant. And he arose and came to his father. Now look at this. But when his, he was yet a great way off, who saw him? His father. His father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Who ran? Did he run? Who ran? Who's the father here? God the father. God the father is the one. He ran. Come and come and take it. Give you a kiss. Give you a hug. Give you a robe. Give you a ring. Give you sandals. And do party for you. And kill a fatted calf. Now the fatted calf is Christ our sacrifice, our burnt offering. The fatted calf. The boy was supposed to be killed. When you do that, when you, you, you take your father's inheritance and you go away like that, you become prodigal. Prodigal child is supposed to be killed, stoned to death. But the calf was killed for him. The fatted calf. To tell him that you were supposed to die like this fatted calf, but the fatted calf had been sacrificed for you. So that you can be accepted. Who is our, who is our fatted calf? Jesus is our fatted calf. Because he's killed, we are accepted. Don't be afraid. Why are you afraid? You're afraid? You're afraid because you are thinking about a lot of things. I did that and I did that. You remember since from six years ago? Six years ago. The source of all grief and errors is self-centeredness. You are looking at yourself. Instead of looking at Jesus, you are looking at yourself. You should be looking at yourself. You should be looking at Jesus and what he did for you. What did he do for you? What did he do for you? Go back to Hebrews chapter 10. Remember, it's perfect. perfect. Hebrews chapter 10, we're in verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, one sacrifice for sins, forever. Forever. But it's not now that he's coming to forgive you. It's not now that he's considering. Hmm, Adwa. The things that Adwa is doing these days. Hey. Adwa. Michael. Hey, Michael. Are you seeing what the girl is doing? This one is beyond, it's beyond the blood of Jesus. It's beyond the blood. She has to die for herself. There's nothing like that. Or I, I have to send somebody to go and die again. I have to, I have to come and die again for address special sins. No. It says he, he offered one sacrifice for sins forever. Forever. And sat down on the right hand of God. He did it and sat down. He's sitting down now. He has finished his work. He's sitting down. He's relaxing. Waiting for you to understand. Eh? Look at the next verse. Verse 13. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. What are the enemies of, of God? Of Christ? Sickness. Poverty. Sin consciousness. Eh? Weakness. All those things. He's expecting you to make all these enemies of his his footstool. Because you are, we are the body. We are the body of Christ. The footstool is there. Is that what the leg rests on? The least of us. He's expecting the smallest, the least of his children to learn and understand what he has done for them, to be above all the things, all the sin, all the enemies, all the enemies he has, to learn 
what I'm telling you now, to understand that, hey, he's, for, he's, he's forgiven you. Hey, he's overcome all things for you. Live the way he wants you to live. Live in his righteousness. Live in his glory. Live in his forgiveness. Live in his love. Live in his beauty and in his honor. He's expecting to live, not oh, walking with God like this. Is he going to, is he going to kill me? Is he going to, what, 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 hey, this is like, is he going to, you see, you are, you are looking at God like that. And it's causing you to keep doing, making a lot of errors. The gift of no condemnation is what makes you not sin anymore. It's a gift of understanding that God has forgiven you. And understanding that God does not condemn you. And that God is not looking for you to do anything to you. It's what will make you love him and live the way he wants you to live him. Live for him. Hebrews 10, 17. Look at this. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. No more. You are remembering. He doesn't remember. I feel like going home because I feel like I'm preaching in a certain Orthodox church. The way I'm talking, like you are not loving and blessed. Go back to verse, verse 12. We, we just read 13, right? Hebrews 10, 13. And so, expecting. He's expecting that you will live the victorious life he has given to you. Living above sin, living above poverty, living above sicknesses, living above depression, living above condemnation, living above all those which are his enemies, which are the enemies. Oppression is in righteousness shall thou be established, and thou shalt be far from oppression. <laughs> when you establish in righteousness, you become far from it. Isaiah 54 verse 9. Oh, this is the waters of Noah. Verse 10. This is also very powerful. Okay, let me read verse 9. So that you are, I can explain it to you. Since I'm here. This is Isaiah chapter 54. Which is after Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53 is a record of Jesus' sacrifice. And what he did for us. Okay. Go to Isaiah 53. Since we are here. <laughs> For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. He's talking about Jesus. And as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor cunningness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should be desire him. He's talking about Jesus and the sufferings that he went through. Verse, verse 3. Then he says, he is despised and rejected. Jesus was despised and rejected so that you will not be despised and rejected. Everything he went through is so that you can guess the other way. You see, it, 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 the, the whole world is built on do good gets good. Do bad, get bad. Any? Do good, do bad. All religions in the world are based on this. All religions. Do good, do bad. The whole of life is you go and steal, what will happen? And they catch you, what will happen? Straight to prison. Everything runs on merit. You write exams, you fail, what happens? You ain't going forward. Any? Yes. You go for the interview, you don't get there, you don't do well. What is happening? They are not going to call you. We thank you for. <laughs> they will not even call you and say, Thank you for coming for the interview, wasting your money to come for the interview. They will not mind you. Is it true? The whole world is run based on do good, get good, do bad, get bad. One day, someone came called Jesus, who did all the good in the world and inherited all the bad in the world. So that all those who do bad will inherit good. 
That's the gospel. He came to do all the good. Jesus said, well, who, who, condem- who, who is the one who can condemn me of sin? Who, who can accuse me of sin? The prince of those who come and he has nothing in me. But who convinced Which one of you convinced me of sin? Nobody. They could, there was not even a single they could use to accuse him. Yeah. None. He did all the good. What did he get from it? He got all the bad. They beat him. They removed his back. They pierced his head. They pierced his side. They crucified him and they killed him. They spat on him. Religious spits and political spits. 1,000 people spitting on one person. Yeah. Early morning spits. I tell you. For what? For what? Why was he doing? Why was he getting all the bad? So that you who has done all the bad will get good. And break and break the foundation of the, the errors of this world, which is do good, get good. It's called for a kion. Do good, get good, get do bad, get bad. Jesus broke that rule. Yes. He broke that rule. Yeah. Look at look at first, since I'm saying that, let me show you a verse in uh First Peter chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 14. I hope I'm right. The just for the unjust. Hallelujah. So do you understand when I say, I'll never be broken in my life? Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, dear Holy Spirit of God. Day 18, rather. What did I say initially? I said, first of all, what? I said, uh, 14. Okay, it's 18. Look at this. For Christ also has once suffered for sins. Not several times. Once. He's done it once. Notice it all. Once suffered. For what? Sins. Sins. The just for the unjust. He, the just, suffered for you, the unjust. That's your old man. I'm not even, not even talking about you now. Because the, 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 the new you now is on that level. The justified of God. The just for the unjust. So that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. The just for the unjust. So Isaiah chapter 53 is a record of what he went through for you. So that you don't go through. You don't go through depression. Jesus was depressed so that you were not you will not be depressed in your life. Jesus was broken so that you will not be broken by any guy or by any lady. Yeah. So no matter who left you. No matter who left you. You are not moved. The person left you. You are supposed to be moved, but you are not moved. No, it's not a problem. Jesus was left. Everybody left Jesus. His best of disciples, everybody ran away. Someone ran away naked. He was forsaken so that you will be accepted. So if everybody forsakes you, remember that Jesus accepts you. And who who is the best of all people? Jesus is the best of all people. If he accepts you, the rest are nonsense. What do you think? So he's talking about all the sacrifices that Jesus made. Then in chapter 54, he starts talking about the benefits of the sacrifices. Okay. You see, one of the benefits of the sacrifice is that God will never be angry with you. Oh. And that's in Isaiah 54, 9. He says, for this is as the waters of Noah unto me. What was the waters of Noah? The waters of Noah was God's anger. Yeah. Was the expression of God's anger. 
For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go, should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. He says, God says, I will never be angry with you again. Wow. Wow. I will never be angry with you again. There's nothing you can do to get like God to stand up and say, Hey, hey. Joyce, my daughter, Joyce, is this what you have done? Hey. Hey. God says he will never be angry with you again. So you are walking around thinking that God is angry with you. And he's also wondering what is wrong with you. I say I'll never be angry with you. You say you say God is angry because I did this, God is angry with me. So you do something wrong, you don't have to come to church again. You don't have to come to church again. One young lady who was into the things of the Lord, very spiritual. You know, God involved with this guy. They were dating, flowing, and then the guy slept with her. The girl felt so bad, she left church for one year. Because of self, because of condem- self-condemnation. She was condemning herself. How could I, how could I have yeah. allowed this to happen to you? It means that all the while when she was in the church, she was, she believed in herself more than she believed in Jesus Christ. She had more faith in herself than she had faith in. You see, it is God who is able to keep us from falling. Unto him who is able to keep you from falling. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the one who keeps you from falling. And Jude 1, 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Who's the one who keeps you faultless? Who's able to keep you from falling? It's only Jesus who can keep you from falling. So I'm not falling, not because I'm a very wild, I'm a spiritual matule. No, it's because of Jesus holding me and helping me. My job is to keep reminding myself of the fact that he's holding me. Thank you for holding me. Thank you for helping me. Yes. Not, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a You are like a joke. You fall right now. Tomorrow now you'll be gone. She was out of the house of God for one year. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse because she thought God was angry with her. God is not angry with you. Right there. No not angry with you. I have sworn. NLT. Let's read NLT. New Living Translation. It's, it's living. Just as I swore in the time of Noah that I will never again let a flood cover the earth, so now I swear that I will never again be angry and punish you. I will never again be angry and what? Punish you. Paul says that we are not appointed unto wrath. We are not appointed unto the wrath of God. First Thessalonians chapter, chapter 4. Look for it. Appointed unto wrath. First Thessalonians, is it 5 or something? Or oh, one of them. We walk around thinking that God is going to do something to you. God is going to do because of, because I did this, because I did that, because I did this, because I did that. And then you are walking in condemnation all the time. Look at this. But God has not appointed us to wrath. He has not appointed us to wrath. Let's read NLT once again. NLT. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. He chose us to chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ. He chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. So God is not pouring his anger on you. That's not, that's not why God is in your life. God is in your life to pour out his love on you. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. That's what he's doing, he's shedding his love in your hearts. Whispering to you, I love you. I care about you. Now go to verse 10. Isaiah 54 verse 10. That's what we are going to, right? For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. 
but my kindness shall not depart from you. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. Say the Lord that has mercy on thee. Is there something God is rich in? God has riches. The riches that he has. There are different categories of it. Okay. One of the riches that he has. It is like saying someone is rich in dollars. Yeah. Someone is, if you are rich in cities, you are not the same as being rich in dollars. You can be rich in cities and be a thousandaire. Yeah. You are a thousandaire in, in dollars. You are not a millionaire in dollars. You, you, you might be a millionaire in cities, but be a thousandaire in dollars. You get it. So you can be rich in different currencies. So God also has different currencies he's rich in. One of the currencies is called mercy. He's rich in mercy. But God who is rich in mercy. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy. He has money in a currency called mercy. And what he does for you is to shower mercy on you. Because you are in Christ. In Christ, we enjoy the riches of his mercy. But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us or made us alive together with Christ Jesus. By grace are you saved. Not your works. By grace are you saved. It's by his grace, by his action, it's by what he did. Not not by what you are doing. Hmm? Not by what you are doing. Go back to Isaiah 54, verse 10. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. In other words, all things around you can change, but my, know that my kindness shall not depart from you. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. Say the Lord that has mercy on thee. Everything will change. My kindness for you will never change. Be sure of it. God wants you to be sure of what he has done. I thought you'd be happy. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. It says, In righteousness shalt thou be established. Ah, where is it? Is it verse 12? Verse 13. All this is good. You can read it for yourself. Verse 14. It says, In righteousness shalt thou be established. When you establish in righteousness, this is what happens to you. Thou shalt be far from oppression. What is oppression? Oppression is sickness, disease, fear, what? Poverty, all the things. It's establishing yourself. And thou shalt, in righteousness shall thou be established. Establishing yourself in the fact that God has made you righteous. Oh, yes. God has accepted you. Oh, yes. Establish yourself in that fact. And the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God. Do you, you know what righteous, righteousness means? You have the right to be treated like Jesus is treated. Oh. Righteousness means that you are in the place of Jesus Christ. Oh. So the way Jesus is treated is the way you have to be treated. Oh, yes. <laughs> we're, having, we're having a plane issue. You know, Reverend George, myself and his wife were in a plane. We're in the same plane. And this plane was, I mean, we've never had that kind of turbulence, that kind of shaking before. No, this is this is serious. People were calling God. People were fighting in the plane. It was not easy at all. It was very. It was as though we were going to crash. The plane was coming. <laughs> Reverend Joe said, "I'm the righteousness of God. This plane should calm down." And it calmed down. When you are when you establish what you are saying is that the way Jesus is treated is the way I must be treated because I'm in His place. I'm in Jesus' place. The way He's treated. Yes. If angels. Hold him and guide him and whatever. Same for me. Same for me. Thou shalt be far from oppression. 
Why? For thou shalt not fear. Fear is a very dangerous thing. Thou shalt not fear. And from terror, you shall be far from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Yes. I'll never fail in my life. I'll never fail in my life. Goodness and mercy are following me all the days. Goodness and mercy are following me. You can, you can be assured of the blessings of God. Let's go back to Hebrews. Hebrews, right? Hebrews chapter 10. From henceforth, expecting to his enemies, we made his footstool, verse 14 now. For by one offering, he has what? He has what? He has what? Some people are not saying. For by one offering, he has what? Perfected. When? Forever. Perfected when you were good. Perfected forever. Them that are sanctified. And you are sanctified. Oh, yes. Because of Jesus Christ. And such were some of you, but you are washed. But you are sanctified. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. First Corinthians 6, 11. And such were some of you, but you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of our Lord, of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. You are washed. You are sanctified. So you are perfected forever. Jesus has perfected you forever. That's in your spirit. You see, now allowing the perfection in your spirit to show up in your soul, show up in your body, comes through your looking through the mirror of God's word, which is the word of God. Is the word of God the spirit? Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are what? Spirit. John chapter 6, verse 63. The word of God is spirit and life. The only way to see what is happening in the spirit and to have changes happening in your soul and in your body. To be in line with what you see, I can preach this and not have it happening in my life. If I don't do what I'm coming to tell you now, which is to keep looking at God's word, keep looking at what He has said concerning me, keep acknowledging what He has said concerning me. You must keep acknowledging what He has said concerning you. You see, you must know it in your soul, in your mind. And keep looking at it, keep thinking it. Keep thinking in line with what God has said. That's what Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If, you don't re- if your mind is not renewed, you will not know. That's why you need to listen to a message like this continuously. Over and over again. You listen to it over and over again. So that you get to know what God has done for you. you. If you don't know it here, it will not show up here and here. Outside. You will not you will not have it happening outside. You will not have it being your experience. You get it? Yes. So you keep looking at the mirror of God's word. You keep beholding. Beholding is a key to living the new life in Christ. Beholding. You have to behold the word of God. You have to meditate on the word of God. You have to meditate. I I am the righteousness of God. I am created in righteousness and true holiness. Christ is in me. That is my reality. Elijah said, who has believed that report? You cannot stop looking. When you stop looking, everything starts changing. You see, how do you look? By keeping your mind fixed, stayed on the word. Keep your mind stayed on the word. And refuse to acknowledge what is happening outside of you, outside of your spirit. 
that you can be feeling some pain in your body. Refuse to acknowledge that pain in your body. Rather, acknowledge your healing in Christ and your health in Christ. So the pain is there. You are feeling the pain. Look away from the pain and declare for yourself. Now, don't even wait for the pain to come. Don't wait for poverty to come, pain and those things to come before you start looking. Look all the time. Look all the time. Then you'll be able to say, I never, I've never had suffering in my life. Yeah, because when the suffering comes, you can't, it, it, it doesn't stay. It cannot stay. Why? Because you'll be looking all the time. Looking at the word. Every morning you stand up, you wake up from your bed, you read. During the day, you are listening. At work, during, the, during your break, you pray in tongues for some time. You see, keep looking at what God has done for you in Christ. Philemon 1 6, and now close. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Paul says, I pray that the communication of your faith may become effective. Your faith becomes effective, more expression. You see, your faith starts working. Faith is the bridge between the spirit and the physical. Faith is agreeing with what God has done for you and saying the same thing for yourself. That's faith. Faith is not trying to bring something that does not exist into being. Faith is bringing what God has said, agreeing with what God has said and what God has done. Okay? Into the physical. So faith is a bridge between the spiritual and the physical. And you have faith. I've told you already. You have faith. You have faith. So you have the bridge. Now bring the things that are on the other side through that bridge into the physical. How? By acknowledging. It says acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge. Agree with your spirit. And agree with the word concerning what you have become. Agree that you are the righteousness of God. And look away from what your body is telling you. You are a sinner. Look at you. When you see the girl, you want to touch her breast. You remember you touched her, you touched her the last time. You say you are what? You are the righteous. You shake your head. No, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't care what happened. I don't care what happened. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Agreeing with the word of God like that. You see? Oh, yes. Yes. You're having some pain in your body. Your heart is beating. And then your mind tells you, hey, this one there, it's going to be a hospital case. This one is cancer, right? The cancer of the heart. Has your mind ever said that to you? Something small, some small pain you're having, and then your mind tells you, ah, this is what, this is what Jackie Chan had. Not Jackie Chan. Sorry, sorry. This is what Jacqueline had and died. You're also going to die. Jacqueline said she had a pain around her, her abdomen, around her rib. And this is the same pain you're also feeling. Jacqueline died just six months ago. You're also feeling that pain. You're going to die. When you receive that, and you accept what your mind is telling you, and agree with what your body is telling you, you'll be shocked that six months from now you'll not be around. You'll be surprised. How many of you would uh, accept a package of snakes? Someone comes to your house, knocks on your door, and then comes with a pack of snakes in a basket. Cobra. The baby here, cobra. 
Cobra, hey! <laughs> rattlesnakes, everything inside the basket. Will you receive it? Will you receive that package? What will you do? You shut your door. That's what happens when your body is telling you. Your body is telling something. Your body is trying to hand over a pack of snakes to you. A pack of cobra. <laughs> Don't accept it. Start singing. Nipe a cobra. Rise up on your feet and thank God for what I shared with you. <laughs> God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.